You know, I'm looking forward to getting into the message today, so if you have your Bibles, you're welcome to follow along with me and our theme scripture today, which will be Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 11. I'm going to talk to you today specifically about defying the odds, defying the odds. It's time to break the barriers. It's time to not be a statistic, but become a history maker. You know, when I think about this, there is a, I heard about this gentleman who had been a part of a third generation of obesity in his family. And he thought, man, I'm going to break this generational curse. I am done with this. I am now going to change course and I'm going to change the future and I'm going to lose some weight. So he's so determined. And one day he was standing on the scale in the bathroom and he was sucking in his stomach as tight as he could get it as he's weighing himself. His wife walked by and saw what he's doing, and she busted out laughing. She said, honey, that is so funny. You don't seriously think that's going to help you lose weight. He said, no. He said, it's going to help me see the scale. (laughs) So anyway, it's not where we start in life. It's how we finish in life. So Deuteronomy 111, may the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times. Say that word out loud, a thousand times. A thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as he has promised you. Just close your eyes for a moment, would you? And just picture yourself a thousand times more. A thousand times more what? A thousand times healthier? A thousand times uh, wealthier? A thousand times more influential? A thousand times what? Picture it. Vision it. Take it in right now. Just what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? A thousand times more what? A thousand times better in your marriage? A thousand times better as a parent? A thousand times better as a teacher? Student? A thousand times smarter? A thousand times better looking? I mean, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? A thousand times more. A thousand times more. Okay, you can open your eyes. That's my challenge to you this week is I want you to envision what does a thousand times more look like? And take time to envision it. Because everything happens in the realm of the spirit before it happens in the physical. You've got to see your miracle on the inside before you'll see it on the outside. And when you begin to envision your life a thousand times better than what it currently is, God can take you places you never dreamed possible. All things are possible to him who believes. Now, my challenge, though, for you, in order to go to the next level, one of the biggest obstacles that I find is that a lot of times people think, well, that can't be for me. I've made too many mistakes. I've got too many flaws. I can't imagine God would want to bless my life like that. And that's probably one of the biggest challenges that I find in Christianity today. Yet, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, I believe this, says that all the promises of God are yes and in him, amen. To him be glory. You know, to him be the glory. Think about that. All his promises are yes and amen. But you've got to believe that these promises are for you. That these promises are for me. Not the person sitting next to you or whatever, you know, you're thinking in your mind, well, they're holier, more sanctified, they smell better than me, they sing better than me, whatever it is. You know, you got to stop with that kind of thinking and realize this is for you. This is a promise that God says, I want to make you a thousand times greater than what you currently are. However, you remember the story of Abraham and Sarah, like in Genesis chapter 17, and here's Abraham and Sarah, and God visits with them and says, I'm going to give you a baby, and I'm going to make you a father and mother basically to the nations multitudes. In fact, there are going to be so many descendants, so many that you're going to have to, you know, count the stars just to kind of get an idea how many there are going to be. In fact, during the daytime or during the nighttime, whatever, you know, during the nighttime, count the stars. During the daytime, count the sands on the sea. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Get the vision, God is saying. 
But Abraham and Sarah struggled with this, didn't they, initially? Sarah thought, who, me? I'm an old woman. I've been barren for a long time. I can't imagine this promise is for me. So she rationalizes, reasons in her mind, and says, this, God must be referring to my maid. So she gives the maid to Abraham, and finally God comes upon the scene one more time again. He says, no, 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 Sarah, uh-uh. That's not what I said. This promise is for you and Abraham, not Abraham and your maid. It's for you. I want to make you a mother, a princess. I want to make you a mother of the multitudes. But I think this all goes back from generation to generation to generation that oftentimes God breathes life into us. We get a vision. We get excited about it. But then all of a sudden we start rationalizing, reasoning in our mind, thinking, oh, no, I can't imagine God still wants to do that in my life after all. He knows what I did last night. He knows the mistakes I've made. He knows the things I just said to my spouse on the way to church. I mean, I can't imagine this promise is for me. But yes, the Bible says all of his promises are yes and in him, amen. You know what I love about God and his word? That even when we mess up, the gifts and callings are irrevocable. If he's called you to create history, to be a history maker, a world changer, one who will reach your God-given dreams and destiny, which he has, your gifts and callings are irrevocable. In other words, not, God's not going to pull it away. Now, you may disqualify yourself because you think it's, you don't deserve it. But this is where we've got to get rid of that shame. We've got to get rid of all that. And we've got to live beyond ourselves and realize we can't do this in our own strength anyway. We couldn't do it in the first place without Jesus. And that's where Philippians 4.13 says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, for us to fulfill our God-given dreams was never hinged on us being so good and so awesome in the first place. Now, I understand faithfulness. I understand that concept. Being faithful in your relationship with the Lord. Being faithful, being a good steward over what God has given you. I understand that, that promotion and honor and increase comes to those who are faithful. But that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect all the time. And it doesn't mean that you're never going to have to repent of the mistakes you make. I don't care how long you've been living for Jesus you might be a whole lot more holy and sanctified than what you were 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. But it doesn't mean that you're perfect and that you qualify because you were so good. The only reason you qualify is because Jesus Christ qualified you in the first place. So the gifts and callings are irrevocable. That means all you have to do is say, God, I believe, I receive. That's where God is saying, this is what he wants you to understand is that this is where he wants you to take it is take it by faith. That you are going to defy the odds. You're not going to be just another statistic. There was a specific uh, friend of ours who was telling us about this man. And that came and shared with him. And he said, you know, this is a friend of ours. He was a pastor. And he said, Pastor, I just, I don't know. He said, I, I just, my grandfather struggled with addictions. My father struggled with the same addictions. And now I struggle with the same addictions. And he said, the odds are stacked against me. But my friend told him what I'm telling you today the odds really are not stacked against you. As long as you've got God on your side, you've got all of heaven backing you. In other words, you will not be another statistic. Today is your new day. Today is a new chapter. Today is a new beginning. Today is a new level. Today God is breathing life into you saying, I'm going to make you a thousand times greater. Now grab it by faith and say, God, I believe I receive. You know, this is your set time. In Psalm 102, verse 13, it says, You will arise and have mercy on Zion, or God's people, for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come. This is your time. This is your hour that God is saying, I just need you to simply believe. 
And as long as you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. This is where it all starts. This is where we are. We're, in the, we're listening to the teacher talk to the students. You could say, you could say that Jesus is speaking a message of life into your hearts. And he's using me as a messenger, a delivery boy. And he's saying, listen, this is your new beginning. You've got to get over looking at me and realize that who the one is that's speaking through me right now into your life. Because these are anointed words that will destroy yokes and remove burdens and will set you free a thousand times more free, a thousand times more victorious, a thousand times more anointed, a thousand times more gifted, a thousand times more qualified and accepted, a thousand times more forgiven. I'm telling you, there is something about the anointing of the thousand times that God is saying, this is your hour, Joseph. This is your hour, Jeff. This is your hour, Brandon. This is your hour where I just need you to just believe and when you believe that you receive it then you will have it Jesus said this is what God wants for his people today he is called and destined he's calling seeds of greatness out of you now look beyond yourself and realize I can't do it in my own strength Jesus said you'll never bear fruit in your own strength. The only way you're going to bear fruit is as long as you abide in the Father. And as long as you're in that relationship, you got all the love, you got all the grace, you got all the mercy, you got all the forgiveness, you got all the qualifying you'll ever need. And it's going to flow in you and it's going to flow out of you into the rest of the world. And that's what's going to cause you to rise above yourself and defy the odds. You are not just another statistic. You are a history maker. God has created and destined you for greatness to do great great things. If you're living, you're breathing, God is not done with you. He's only begun, and the Bible says that what he's begun in you, he is going to complete it and finish it to the end. You know, I look at Romans 8, verse 31. It reminds us, listen, if God is for us, then who can be against us? It doesn't matter if the odds look like they're stacked against you, that your great-grandfather struggled with the same addictions, your father struggled with the same addictions. I don't care how many odds are stacked against you as long as you've got God on your side, as long as you've got all of heaven on your side, you will have greater odds for you than you have against you. In 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16, the prophet Elisha was surrounded by massive armies. And Gehazi, the servant, got really nervous And said, Master, what are we going to do? We've got all these people surrounding us. And this is where the prophet Elisha says, no, actually there's more for us than there are against us. And this is where he said, Lord, open his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, he saw great multitudes of the armies of the Lord that were for them, that were far greater than the armies that were surrounding them. And when that happened, all of a sudden the armies of the Lord went to work. And they fought that battle. And they turned those people over to the prophet. And that prophet led them away without a fight. Listen, God is fighting your battles today. God is working on your behalf. God is making the crooked ways straight. And he's making those deserts not just a desert. He's making them an ocean. Listen, God is a good God. And when God is for you, you've got all of heaven backing you. And that's all that really matters. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, it reminds us that greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. Listen, God is so much stronger, so much bigger than any problem or issue or challenge that you have ever faced. No matter how big that temptation may be, no matter how big that addiction may seem be. You know, listen, it doesn't matter what it may seem to you. It doesn't matter how big it may seem to you. As long as you're praying, God, open my eyes. I need to know that the odds are for me rather than against me. And as long as you can see 
by the Spirit, what God is saying in His Word, the eyes of your heart will be opened to see that there is a multitude of armies surrounding you, protecting you, keeping you safe, watching over you day and night. Listen, in the book of Judges, in chapter 6, I love this story about Gideon. Gideon is just one of these weaklings, at least that's the way he looks at himself, as an inferior, uh, not a man of valor, as the angel called him to be, He thought he was a defeated personality, the weakest in his entire family. But here is this interesting story. God raises up Gideon in Judges chapter 6. It goes on to say that the Mennonites and several, two other armies were coming against them. There was 135,000 soldiers that were coming against Gideon and the Israelites. So what shows up for the Israelites? 32,000 men ready to fight. 32,000 against 135,000. Looks like the odds are stacked against the Israelites and Gideon. But what does God say? Listen, Gideon, there's too many. Because if that 32,000 wins the 135,000, they'll take claim. They'll think they did it. So I want you to send all the scaredy cats home. And didn't he? He said that, didn't he? He basically said, I want you to send all the scaredy cats home. I know I'm paraphrasing the Gus's translation. But that's exactly what happened. So Gideon turned and said, okay, all you scaredy cats, all you who are afraid, you go home. 22,000 out of the 32,000 went home, leaving them with 10,000 soldiers to fight the 135,000. Now that looks like that would be kind of nerve. Uh, you, could, you could say this is probably going to shake the Israelites a little bit. Like that's a lot of people fighting against us. 10,000 against 135,000. That's a lot of odds stacked against us. But God says, no, no, you still have too many people. That 10,000, that's just still too many. And by the time God finished, He sent all of those 9,700 people home. He left them with 300 soldiers. 300 soldiers against 135,000. Now, that's talking about some serious odds stacked against Gideon and the Israelites. But what happens? That's exactly what happens. Gideon and the Israelite, you guessed it, won the battle. They chased those people down. They conquered them. They conquered all 135,000 people. 300 Soldiers conquered 135,000. In fact, the people who reproached Gideon, who wouldn't feed him, who wouldn't take care of him, the cities that normally after when they went in, because there was so much power, so much anointing, so much grace with Gideon and the Israelites, that the cities that normally would attack the Israelites when they came to visit, came to those towns, would normally attack the Israelites. They wouldn't do it. In fact, this is what they said, and I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit, but this is exactly what they're going after. They said, so... Uh, Gideon, we saw what your God did to the Mennonites. They didn't attack him. The reproach was taken off of Gideon. In other words, not so much we're afraid of you, but we're afraid of the God that's with you and for you. And that's what God wants to do today to his people, is he wants you to understand the people that have reproached you, the people who have shamed you, the people who have come against you, God wants them to know that God is with you and for you. In fact, later, a few chapters later, Gideon's talking to some of the defeated soldiers, that, uh, the enemies, and he was looking for some of his own soldiers, and he's asking them, have you seen him? And they're like, yes, we have seen him. What do they look like? And this is what the response was. They look like you, Gideon, like a king's son. Even his enemies looked at Gideon and thought of him as a king's son. And that's what God is saying today. You are a king's daughter. You are a king's son. You are anointed. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a consecrated people, an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are sent into this world as a king's daughter and a king's son. You are here to make difference. 
changes the world to become a better place. God is with you and for you. And it's time that he wants to roll away the reproach from your name. It's time to get rid of the shame, the dishonor, the disgrace. Think of the grave when Jesus was buried, when he was put in the tomb. That rock, that that big stone that was rolled against the tomb. That stone represented more than just like a door lock against him, keeping him in the tomb. It represented so much more. It represented, I mean, they dishonored Jesus. They disgraced Jesus. They shamed Jesus. All of that. And yet Jesus, on the third day, when he was raised from the dead, rolled away that big stone. What does that mean? He rolled away the reproach of dishonor, disgrace, shame. God is saying to you today, I am rolling away the dishonor, the shame, the disgrace in your life. I'm rolling it away today. I'm moving it and I'm giving you a new identity. Don't let your past identify you for your new identity of who you are in Christ. Your past does not determine your future. God determines your future. And listen, self-worth is not going to be good enough. Think about when Israel had been in slavery. If any of you have ever met somebody who's ever been in a situation where they're emotionally or physically abused, what happens to them? They eventually start accepting that they deserve it. They deserve the shame. They deserve it. They start to think like that, don't they? They start to settle and think, well, this is just my lot in life. And that's exactly what happened to Israel after being in slavery for hundreds of years, 400 years they were in slavery. They just started to accept it as their own identity. And yet watch what God says to them when he was about to bring them into the promised land. He says these words to them. This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. In order for you to reach your highest potential in life, you've got to let God roll away the reproach in your life, the shame, the dishonor, the disgrace. God is desiring today to breathe life into you, to give you a new purpose, a new calling, that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. God wants you to reach your fullest potential, but you've got to let go of the shame. You've got to let go of the reproach. You've got to let go of it. Jesus has rolled away that rock. I want you to know that God is saying, I'm rolling this away today. Don't let your past become your identity. God wants you to rise in victory today, and he wants you to finish your race with great panache. God wants you to finish your course with joy. God wants you to finish your uh, here season on earth with laughter. I'm telling you, God's got the best days of his life still ahead of you, not behind you. Say this with me. Say it out loud, and I want you to say it confidently. I like myself. I feel good about myself. I'm the apple of God's eye. I'm his masterpiece. I'm God's prized possession. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. The more you say what God says about you, what God says about who you are and whose you are, the reproach, the shame begins to drop off of you like the water off the back of a duck. Listen, in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 4, it says, You will not be ashamed, neither disgraced. You will not be put to shame. You will forget the shame of your youth. You will not remember the reproach. What is your Egypt today? What is that reproach today? Was it a divorce? Was it a child that left you? What is it? 
What is the shame? What is the reproach that's trying to hang with you? Because today God's saying, roll it away. Let me get rid of it. And don't you pick it back up. Because your past does not determine your future. God does. It's time to take off the old labels. Damaged, abused, mistreated. And it's time to put on the new labels. Accepted, forgiven, redeemed, anointed. I'm telling you, you are qualified because Jesus has qualified you. Isaiah 61, verse 7, it says, Instead of your former shame, you shall receive a twofold recompense. In other words, God's going to give you double honor for the shame that you've experienced in your past. God is working behind the scenes even as you're sitting here just enjoying his presence and enjoying the word of God today. Romans 8, 37 reminds us that God, that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. God wants people to know that he is on your side and that he's working with you and working for you. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the flames of fire got seven times hotter, what did God do? He not only stayed with them in the flames of fire, but he brought them out better off than they were originally. Did he not? He brought them out without a scent of smoke. He brought them out promoted, honored, increased. God is working on your behalf, the shame of your past. God will work all things together for your good. As long as you stay in faith and don't sit there and rehearse what the enemy has done to you and how he's hurt you, you focus on what God has said in his word, that he has blessed you. And like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whether we're talking about Abraham and Sarah or the prophet Elisha or Gideon or even Lazarus, God wants to resurrect your God-given dreams. He wants to bring you back to life. Think about Lazarus for just a moment. I think sometimes God likes to, he gets joy when the odds are stacked against us, doesn't he? Think about that for a moment. Here Lazarus, he hears about Lazarus being sick and Jesus stays a couple more days. You know, sometimes people think God is late. God is never late. He's always right on time. And here is Lazarus who's sick. He's ill. And Jesus could have come on the scene immediately. Could he have not? He could have come and brought a healing to Lazarus, but he waits. By the time he gets on the scene, Lazarus has been dead for four days already. God has more than a healing in mind for you. He has a resurrection in mind for you. God's got something amazing on his heart for you. And as long as we keep our faith in him that God is never late, he is always on time. The only time that it looks like when the odds are stacked against us, those are the moments that we should be rejoicing and celebrating all the more. Those are the moments that we should keep on praising all the more. Those are the moments that we should let out the sacrifice of praise. Because the one thing you'll find is that you cannot keep a praising saint down. And as long as you keep on praising through those storms, as long as you keep on praising through those burning fiery furnaces, as long as you keep on praising when it looks like you're Lazarus, your dreams are dead. As long as you keep on praising, you give God the glory. No matter what the odds look like that are stacked against you, God is never late. He's right on time. And he's doing that in and through your life, even as you sit here. There is a friend of ours that told that there's a story of a young man that attends this church. And he said, I just, I just need to tell you, he said, this is an interesting story. He said, when I was a little boy, he said, my dad I grew up in a good family. He said, we, we grew up in a, like a middle-class family. It was good. He said, things were good, good. He said, my dad was a police officer. And he said, but one day, Pastor, he said, I want to tell you this. He said, my dad wanted to take a drive. He didn't tell me where we were going. So we drove and we drove and drove. And I just enjoyed being with my dad. I looked up to him so much. But he drove into this area that was just not pleasant to be in. Everything looked like it was abandoned, vacated, houses looked like they should have been burned down, uh, looked like they were uh, abandoned. 
businesses that were just boarded up. He said, it was a scary thing driving into this kind of neighborhood. And then my dad drives, pulls up into this, what it looks like, an old driveway in a house that probably had been abandoned because there was no door on the front and the windows were all broken in. But my dad got out of the car and so I followed him and we walked right into the house. And when we walked in, there in that house was sitting a very elderly man that had not shaved for a very long time with no shirt on. And he said this, Hi, Dad, I've come to introduce you to my son. Now, this man would not even acknowledge the police officer or his son. He just looked away, wanted nothing to do with them. He said, Dad, my son and I came here to tell you we love you. He pulled out his wallet and put money on the counter, and the two of them walked out. His son could not believe it. His dad had never shown him a picture of his father. He had never even talked about his father. He couldn't believe it. That was his grandfather? When they got out into the car and they drove away, he said, Dad, he said, please don't ever take me back to this place again. He said, that's the scariest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And his dad said, that's the reason I brought you here. I I wanted you to see where we came from, but that's not who we are. God is trying to do something in your generation saying, I want to split apart the things and cause you to become a thousand times greater. I love it. When God spoke the world into existence, he didn't Google and see if it was okay. (laughs) He didn't try and figure out if there was a way. He is the way. He didn't look to see if there was a door of opportunity. He is the door. And he didn't look to see when the odds were stacked against you if you could fulfill your destiny. He is your destiny. And as long as you know that God has raised you up and seated you in heavenly places, as Ephesians says, and you are seated in heavenly places next to him, that means the all-powerful, the all-knowing, the all-present one, the one who loves and breathes life and favor into your life is the one who will open doors that no man can shut. He is the one who has created and destined you for greatness. Right before Jesus died on the cross, he said these words, it is finished. And I set my faith in agreement with Jesus today. And I say today, your addiction, it is finished. Poverty, you are finished. Curse, you are finished. Sickness, you are finished. Excuses, you are finished. The all-powerful, the all-knowing, the one who loves and cares and breathes life into your life, the greater one that's in you than he that's in this world. The odds are for you, not against you. But if the natural looks like the odds are stacked against you, today make the decision to rise up and defy the odds because the greater one, the one that is backing you with all of heaven is surrounding you and he is going to bring you through the burning fire furnace. He's going to bring you through the storms of life. He's not going to leave you nor forsake you. And the Bible says that he'll never let you even fail. So God is picking you up. He's picking up the broken pieces. He's restoring. He's bringing you out better off than you were before. I'm telling you, God is a good God and he's working behind the scenes for you today. And I'm telling you what the enemy has thrown your way. God is going to bring out more than you could even ask or think. He's working behind the scenes today. He's bringing you out better off than when that situation, that storm occurred in the first place. Because God is a good God and he works all things together for your good. For those who love the Lord, for those who believe that all things are possible to him who believes. I'll close with this story. There was a colleague of mine. 
that I went to college with, and we were in a class called homiletics. Homiletics is a class that you just learn how to preach. And so we were in this homiletics class, and one day this colleague of mine was asked to get up and share his testimony. I'll never forget it for the rest of my life. This young man got up. His name was Jason. And he began to share this story. He said, when I was three months old, my mother, who was a heroin addict, walked into a beauty salon, walked up to the beautician, handed me to the beautician and said, please, take him. I can't raise him. And she walked out of the beauty salon. That particular woman, miraculously, just happened to be a woman who had been believing for a child. And her and her husband hadn't been able to have a child. And they had just asked their pastor two weeks prior to that to pray for them, to set his faith in agreement with them for them to be able to have a son. When that woman dropped that child off in her arms, she made a decision to embrace that child. She quickly went to adopting. Her and the husband went to adopting that child. When they brought that child in to have him checked over by the doctor, the doctor said, he's got so much drugs flowing through his veins by the time he's a teenager, he'll be strung out. The mother knew how to pray, so she started praying, believing God that the generation curse, the odds that were stacked against Jason, would be broken that day. By the time Jason became a teenager, he was healthy, whole, strong, good-looking, one of the best athletes in the school. To make a long story short, the odds were still stacked against him at times in his life. It didn't turn out just perfect, but God was still working behind the scenes. That father of his who had adopted him decided that he wanted to have some experience in the world. So he stopped pursuing God. He stopped reading the Bible. He stopped attending church, and he went and chased after another woman that was not his wife. He left the wife. He left Jason and went after and stayed with this woman. For three years, the mother prayed every day, God, send labors through his path. Help him, grant him the ability to repent and to come back to Jesus. Lord, Have mercy on him. Day after day, Jason saw and experienced a mother who loved unconditionally and had the best interests of this man. Three years later, Jason was out playing basketball, and he noticed up in the the stands was his mother sitting next to his father, and his father was all snuggled up with his mother. He thought, what in the world is going on? Right after the game, his son ran up to him and said, Dad, what are you doing here? He said, son, I I repented and I've asked God to forgive me my sins and I know he's forgiven me. And I came to ask your mother for forgiveness and she's forgiven me. He said, son, will you please forgive me and allow me to come back home? They quickly embraced each other and hugged, said, I love you, and said, yes, of course. We'd be honored to have you back in our family to be the spiritual leader that you were created to be. That night didn't turn out that well. He never did get back home. He ended up having a heart attack and didn't make it home. Saved by mercy. Saved by grace. They'll see each other again one day. Jason, by the time he was 17, platforms started opening for him to speak in public schools, to share that when the odds are stacked against you, everything's not defeated. It could just be the beginning. To make a long story short, when he was 21 years old, he got a call. It was a very unusual call. The phone was crackling. All he could make out was, Jason? He responded and said, yes, who is this? This is your biological mother, the one who gave you away. And he said, I am so glad you called me. I have waited 21 years to tell you this. 
I want you to know I forgive you and I love you and God loves you too. She asked, would you please come see me? I'm trying to get my life right. I'm going through AA classes and I really just want to get my, my life right and I'd love to meet you. So he flew out to meet her in person. He ended up in, the, in this whole situation, he ended up meeting his siblings. One was a prostitute, one was a drug dealer. And at that moment, he could tell they just all just needed the love of God. So he said, will you please come to church with me today? So he invited his siblings, he invited his mother to church. By the end of the service, the pastor said, I'd like to give you an opportunity, speaking to the congregation that day, for you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you'd like to do that, will you please get out of your chairs and come forward today? Well, he noticed motion going along with his siblings and with the mother, so he got up to just let them get out and to come forward. But once they started coming forward, they stopped right where Jason was standing. And the mother said this. She said, I would like my baby boy to lead me to Jesus today. He prayed for his mother and his siblings to accept Jesus that day. Today, Jason Spears is doing an amazing job. He's a pastor of a thriving church. He's got orphans and Haiti and uh, raising up children. People who have had odds stacked against him, stacked against them, just like he had. And he's making a significant difference in this world. When it feels like all odds are stacked against you, I echo this on behalf of Jason and on behalf of all heaven. The odds are really not stacked against you. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. There are more for you than there are against you. If you receive this, will you say amen? Amen. Do you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Father, I thank you that your word goes into good ground today, producing not just 30 or 60 or even 100, but I believe this is a thousand times moment. This is a season, a high point in your people's life that is stretching, opening the curtains, allowing them to see beyond themselves, to see what they are created to be, the potential that you've put in them, the gifts, the talents, the anointing, the love that you've put in them. And Lord, I thank you that your word goes into good ground, producing not just 30 or 60, but I believe that these will indeed produce more than 100 and produce even a 1,000 times in their lifetime and do great exploits. I thank you for your presence with us today. And I thank you for your word, God, that you love your people so gracefully and so lovingly. In Jesus' name, I'm going to ask with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never made the decision to accept Jesus Christ or you need to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus, if your heart's not right with God and you want to make your relationship right with God today, the Bible says that today is the day of your salvation. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't matter what you've done right. It doesn't matter what you've done wrong. All that matters right now is how much Jesus loves you and what Jesus has done right for you to make things right. If you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I really want to make that decision to accept Christ or I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed all over this auditorium, if that's you, would you slip up your hands all over this room right now acknowledging, I want to accept Jesus Christ or I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. I know it takes courage. It takes boldness to do that. I know there ought to be others. Anyone else? They're saying, Pastor, I want to accept Jesus or I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. I want to get my heart right with God. Just a moment longer. Anyone else? Okay, let's do this. Let's take a moment and pray with those that are making that quality choice and that decision to call on the name of the Lord. Those that are joining us online, please pray this prayer with us as we call on Jesus in his name together. Pray this, please, with me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. 
Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for making that quality choice and decision.